Hey, Trojan fans, get ready for the Trojan Blast podcast. The Trojan Blast is like our regular Peristyle podcast with a little twist. You can download all of our podcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week at peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Trojan Blast podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We are coming at you with the Trojan Blast recruiting podcast, and we have a very special guest, uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez is back from a brief hiatus, and he's ready to talk some USC football. Gerard, what's going on? How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Had uh, an illness, still battling an illness, and hopefully uh, can get it uh, completely taken care of in the next week and uh, get back on the site full time. But um, haven't been away from the message boards uh, for that long since I probably broke my shoulder at the Rising Stars camp. Yeah, that was a that was fun. That was urgent care too. There's too many. Every time you get involved in urgent care, it doesn't go good for the site. Yeah, the emergency room is pretty much like um, that's the only thing that really keeps me from being on the site. <laughs> there's not a whole lot else. There's no vacations. There's no anything else. It's pretty much the emergency room. Something happening that's uh, not necessarily life threatening, but definitely dangerous and uh, something that uh, is, is serious danger to my health. And uh, then I'm like, okay, I guess you know. I won't be on the peristyle for six hours today. I'll just, uh, you know, check in with Ryan, make sure everything's cool. Yeah, things were, were pretty cool. And we, we talked about this yesterday. It was kind of, uh, I guess you could say it was a slow week uh, on the peristyle. Uh, not really on the peristyle, but just for USC football recruiting in general, uh, that May evaluation period kicked off in, in mid-April. And, man, there was just offers and, and guys on the road traveling. And it just kind of, uh, you know, petered off a little bit and, and slowed down this past week. So I guess if you had to miss a week, that was probably not a bad week to miss. That's what tends to happen. The coaches are coming back to the office this week, and the Bay evaluation period ends officially this week. So, you know, they've been out on the road for, I mean, five weeks, almost six weeks, because it starts April 15th and it goes right in through May. So they've been on the road for a long time, and they've seen a lot of kids, and they've, they've racked up a lot of frequent flyer miles. I mean, Ed Erdogan in one day was down to see Demario Stringfellow, a receiver at Marino Valley Rancho Verde High School, offered him a scholarship, then was up to see uh, – Elijah Quayle is a defensive tackle from uh, Pensilum, uh, California, which is up there north of uh, San Francisco. And so he's there, and he's uh, giving them a scholarship that evening. So, I mean, you're talking about some pretty amazing turnaround with the evaluation process and these coaches getting everywhere they can – they possibly can as fast as they can to see as many kids as they can. I mean, you had T. Martin, who uh, at one point during the evaluation process was one day in Georgia. He was in Memphis in the morning, ended up in Georgia later that day. The next morning, he's in Texas to go see Eldridge Massington and offer him a scholarship. So um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, as crazy as we see the evaluation process from a distance, it's that much more crazier for the coaches. I mean, they are on the road constantly, and, um, you know, they're, they're worn out. So, you know, at this point, they're going to come back, get in the office, get in the war room, go over some guys that they've seen, some film that they've gathered, and kind of look and see, you know, what other guys do we need to offer? Um, do we have any more players here that we like? And really there hasn't been many scholarship offers that have gone out since uh, probably mid-May. There's been some reports of some offers to some kids, 
um, guys like Scott Pagano, uh, but those offers are not verified. And it sounds like uh, uh, they really haven't actually uh, sent out many offers since basically uh, Stringfellow got an offer from Ergeron and Quayle's got an offer from uh, Ergeron. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that um, we'll probably see a couple more scholarship offers go out maybe this week, early next week after they kind of, you know, take a step back. But you also have the camps coming up, and, and you know that the coaches want to get those kids at camps. And any guys that they're targeting that they're just not sure about, um, you know, in another week you're going to have the skills camp and alignment camp June 9th and June 10th, and you're going to be able to get them in there and get even more of an evaluation. And then maybe there are some more offers that go out. So June, you, you, you may, you talk about the evaluation period, but June really is kind of an evaluation month, but it's not when coaches are out on the road. It's when prospects get to come to USC, and there's a lot of other camps and stuff that are out there as well. Uh, that's, that's, it's time really when the coaches can do this in ta- you know, in-person evaluation. It's not just kind of showing up and, and checking guys out from afar. Correct. I mean, I think it's a really, really big deal for the coaching staff to be able to get kids on campus, get them in their drills, and be able to watch them do what they need to do, get the matchups they want. I mean, you're going to high schools during May, and you're seeing kids – and it's a wide variety of different practices. I mean, you're getting a lot of different scenarios. Some kids are just out there. They're running around cones. And we've been out there. We go out there for the mail evaluation process, and we do some filming, and we go out and interview kids. And, you know, from school to school, you get a lot of different practices and, and the different intensities and, uh, you know, different types of drills. Some programs are out there, and they're doing football drills. Some programs are out there, and they're doing mostly conditioning at this point. So, And, and some of other kids at this point, a guy like Massington is doing a lot of track, so you don't really get to see a lot of him in football drills so when you get a kid to actually come into your camp and you get him to go through the drills that you would go through in your practice and you have control over those things and you have control over who he matches up against in one-on-one drills that's a big deal for the coaching staff and they really want to get as many kids down as possible I mean they want to get all the commits down for the skills camp and the the lineman camp they're not like telling anybody hey you don't have to come to the early camps we're going to wait for the rising stars camp for you guys to come that was a little more of a Pete Carroll thing this staff they want everybody that they possibly can get at as many camps as they can possibly get them basically and so um, you're going to see you know some of the commits be able to match up against some of these guys that are maybe on the cusp of getting scholarship offers and uh and they want to be able to test them and really see you know okay this guy just blew up one of our guys that's been committed for you know the past whatever six months or something like that this guy needs to get an offer i mean he played really well against the guy that we already have committed um so you're going to see some of that go on and and really try to push uh, the evaluation process even further with some specific drills and also times you know they're able to get the kids on campus and get them to run a little bit and so they're going to be able to get a little more or, um, gauge on how fast guys are instead of just watching them by eye and trying to figure out, well, he looks fast. You actually put a clock on some of these kids too. So that's a big deal also. Well, let's, uh, we got a bunch of questions. I want to get to some of these questions now. And I, I guess the, one of the biggest position groups that USC is out there recruiting is defensive backs. We get a lot of questions on that. And we got our buddy Miguel. He's, uh, he's calling in with a question on the USC defensive back, the, the, the defensive backs that USC are recruiting right now. Hey, Ryan, it's Miguel. Got a question for Gerard. Um, USC is taking five defensive backs this year. Uh, right now they're in great position to take six, which will be Johnson, Hawkins, who is committed already, uh, Goodman, Redfield, Cravens, and Willis. Um, wanted to know if, all six of them commit. Do USC take all six? Like the only way I see that happen is if Craven moves to linebacker. 
um, with uh, Johnson, Willis, and Goodman being wild cards, um, is uh, Foreman, Bird, and um, VH3 are good options as you know to have a Plan B or Plan C. Thank you very much and fight on. Miguel, I missed you, buddy. Um, I think that uh, they're not in the best position to take six only because of the scholarship limitations. Um, they are in a good position if you're looking at interest and where they stand with those particular players. It's going to be difficult. I think what Miguel pointed out is probably true. Unless you're bringing in Sua Cravens as a linebacker, I think it's going to be tough to bring in six defensive backs. The word that we get is five defensive backs, and that's kind of been the number been thrown around by a bunch of people, um, you know, going through the evaluation process and the high school coaches that talk to the coaches and even some of the recruits have mentioned they want to take five guys. So unless that five guys is, is kind of twisted a little bit because Cravens can kind of bounce around, I don't think necessarily so. And, and I think Cravens really to lock up his commitment and to make sure that he doesn't start looking around towards the end of the year. You really want to bring him in as a safety because while he hasn't come clean and said it, talking to him and knowing him, I think safety is really his dream position. That's where he wants to start out. He may grow in to being a linebacker. That's very possible. There's a lot of people who believe that he has that frame and, and just with his genes and, you know, his, his dad's a big guy, you know, his brother's a pretty big guy. He could definitely grow into being a linebacker. He's only 16 years old. He's still got – a lot of time to grow, but right now coming through signing day with the recruiting process, I think you want to approach it with him coming in as a safety because I think that's what he wants to play. That's kind of his dream to really play safety. And, you know, when I talked to him about USC specifically for the first time, he name-dropped a bunch of the safeties and kind of growing up and watching those guys, guys like Taylor Mays, Darnell Bing, Troy Palomalu. So I think safety is really kind of the position for him. And if that's the case, if that's what you do and that's the scenario – you have to bring him in as a safety. You're only getting four other guys. And then it becomes a little bit of a shell game as to who you're going to get and, and who you can get. As stated, Goodman is probably the wild card of the group, probably the guy that you know is hardest to figure out what he's going to do. Um, he's not a tradition guy. He's not a prestige guy. He's not a history guy. He didn't grow up watching USC football. He didn't grow up watching any kind of football. So he's going to look at these schools and kind of decide on them for various reasons and, and, and reasons that, you know, USC is going to have to maybe adjust their recruiting approach. They have to look at it also that, you know, is this a guy that really loves football? You know, he hasn't grown up watching football. He doesn't really watch football now so much. You know, is he really into the game because it's a game that he loves and he eats, breathes it? Or is it just he's such a good athlete that he's just good at football? And so, you know, that's something that you have to look at, too, just kind of as a, as a prospect, you know, from USC side of things. Obviously, they're going to recruit Max Redfield hard. Um, they're actually down to see Max Redfield today. Uh, they're going to be on top of, um, you know, Priest Willis. I think is definitely way high up there uh, on, the, uh, on the board as far as guys that they want to get. And he also, when you're talking about defensive backs, corners and safeties, is a guy that can kind of flip-flop a little bit there. I think he's definitely a corner. Um, but, you know, he has the body of a safety, so it's not like he couldn't play free safety in college either. Uh, so, and then, you, you know, you've got Chris Hawkins already committed, and he's coming in as an early enrollee. And then you've got uh, Johnny Johnson, who's up north, who I think out of that group is probably the guy that I question, I think, where USC stands with him and where you, uh, he stands with USC. 
USC's coach, uh, Marvin Sanders, who's the new defensive backs coach, didn't actually go up to Fresno to evaluate him uh, this past month, which is interesting because, I mean, you would figure, you know, being a new coach and, and really, you know, just coming in at USC – when you start offering these local guys, you're going to want to see every single one of them. And he says he's only really talked to Marvin Sanders once. So that kind of makes me think, mm, you know, they're, they're maybe, maybe cooling on him a little bit, or maybe they just need to see him more. And the camp situation is really when they need to see him and evaluate him uh, in a bubble. And it depends whether he's going to actually show up to the camp or not, though, because he's, you know, kind of like, well, I might come to an unofficial visit to USC. I'm not sure if I'm going to participate in the camp. I want to watch the camp for myself to be able to see how the coaches coach. I'm not sure if I'm going to participate in the camp. Well, I guarantee you, USC is going to want him to participate in the camp. They need to see him as much as I think he needs to see them. So that's going to be a process that plays out. Um, you know, there are plan Bs there, obviously. I think, you know, with Goodman being a guy that I think is – I feel like USC is still kind of the team to beat there, I think just because of the distance factor. And, and he says, you know, he can go anywhere and, and distance is not going to be a factor in his recruitment. I think Tahan Goodman wants to stay on the West Coast at the end of the day. I think that, you know, with his family and everything, I think he's a California kid. I think him leaving uh, Southern California to go play in the SEC or somewhere off in the boondocks somewhere is going to be a keen to probably Josh Shaw leaving too. I think there's just some of those kids that personality-wise – Southern California fits them. They're Los Angeles kids, and it's it. You know they can get enamored with a 48-hour visit to some school, and just seeing that little window of how it is to live, you know, somewhere outside of Southern California. I think it's kind of in their disposition to be closer to home, and so I I, I kind of get the feel that that might be how it plays out. You know, he could do anything, but that, I think he he's a West Coast guy, and so. Um, you know, it's probably going to be USC and maybe a Cal or an Oregon or even a UCLA. I mean, Priest Willis and Tom Goodman are both looking at UCLA pretty seriously as well. Um, but the plan B there for another safety or cornerback, you know, there's a lot of guys there. USC has yet to really move on any guys. You know, there's always that chance that they're able to bring in a guy like Vernon Hargraves from uh, Tampa, Florida, who's a five-star cornerback that um, will come in on an unofficial visit, and he's going to officially visit USC as well. And he's going to go through the process, and he's going to see all these schools and he's do his research. So, you know, that's a, a, a possibility. It's a, little, a moderate long shot at this point until he actually visits and you start to get some type of information on how the visit went. But still a guy that seems very eager to, to see USC and at least be around Los Angeles and, and have his parents out here and give it a, a really serious look. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Miguel. Well, you, Gerard, you mentioned Suel Cravens, and he's scheduled to announce on uh, June 6th. And just so everyone knows, we're not going to do, I mentioned it in the podcast on Monday, we're not doing a podcast next week because I will be going out of the country for my year anniversary, and I'm coming back late on the night of June 6th, so I will be checking the news, I guess, as I, as I land at LAX. Uh, but Jamal had a question. He says, Gerard, can you give us your Suel Cravens prediction? Remember, I've been praying every day. That's what Jamal is saying. You've been praying every day. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, definitely uh, keep uh, God in your prayers. And um, I guess, you know, for USC fans, uh, in my opinion, I, I think USC is still the team to beat. Um, he's going to, you know, look at uh, a few schools. He hasn't necessarily eliminated any choices yet. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to get out and visit the Midwest schools as previously talked about. Um, but, you know, he's still got, I think it's Michigan. Um, I think Nebraska's in there. You know, there's some talk Ohio State in there. Uh, but I think USC still uh, definitely the team to beat there. Okay. Um, and, you know, speaking of some of these high-ranked players, you mentioned Hargraves, who's a 
five-star. Sewell Craven's another five-star. USC already has commitments from two five-stars, Kenny Bigelow and uh, Max Brown. Um, the Rivals 100 and Rivals 250 came out this week. And when the dust settled, uh, some people thought that maybe Ty Isaac uh, moves up and they give him a five-star. He actually kind of dropped a little bit, and he doesn't have a five-star. He's still in the top 25, so he's still – usually Rivals comes out with about five – I mean, 25 five-stars a year, so it's still a chance he could uh, get that. But six of the seven USC commitments right now, Gerard, are in the Rivals 100, which is pretty crazy. And then Eldred, Eldridge Massington from uh, Mesquite, Texas, the four-star wide receiver – Six three two zero five or so. He moved up to number one forty one in the rivals two fifty that was released on uh, Wednesday. So, of all the seven USC commitments, every single one's in the rivals two fifty. Uh, two of them are in the top ten, and six of them are in the top one hundred. So, pretty impressive from what Lane Kiffin's done so far. Yeah, definitely, and and we and we know that you know that those rankings are going to evolve, you know, throughout the year, and there are going to be more five-stars that are given out. Um, Ty Isaac was definitely a possibility. Uh, surprising that he dropped a little bit, although, you know, it's just some shifting going on. It wasn't anything major, uh, but still surprising because I know Josh Hemho, uh, the Rivals.com Midwest recruiting analyst, is, is very high on Ty Isaac and sees Ty Isaac as being a guy that could possibly be a five-star running back. I think there's – some questions with him, you know, just in terms of his lack of carries and, you know, his yards per average. Is he really playing against great competition? And, you know, being a guy that's 6'3", 220 pounds, not necessarily style-wise a real power back, and I think that's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around because when you see a guy that big, you're thinking he's just going to try to run everybody over, and that's really not Ty Isaac's game. He's a slasher, and he's a guy that really – I mean, speed-wise and vision-wise is trying to set up his blocks and get into the open field more than he is trying to just put his shoulder down on people. So I think physicality-wise, especially being in the Midwest where, you know, big backs are just guys that pretty much are brawlers, uh, people are kind of trying to figure out Ty Isaac still. And so we'll see how that goes. I think that, um, you know, like I said, the guys that have seen him in person have been very high on him. Obviously, USC is very high on him. Um, So I think it's uh, something just to kind of, take a step back from and, and let the rankings play out. And maybe when, you know, we get into the all-star season, that's when you kind of see uh, some maybe some more impactful decisions made on Ty Isaac and whether he's, you know, the best running back in the nation or just a guy that's, uh, you know, a tall running back that you can't really make the comparisons that people want to make. Everybody wants to talk about either Eddie George, which I don't really see that one. I, I mean, I know Eddie George was the big running back and he was tall, but I don't really see the comparison style-wise to Eddie George. A lot of people talk about some West Coast running backs, a guy like Eric Dickerson, a guy like Marcus Allen. And I, and I can see that a little more just in terms of those guys being tall and, and being fast but not necessarily being power backs just because they're big guys. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Okay, let's go to Theo. He said, uh, you mentioned Pagano earlier. Uh, he says, Pagano's listed LSU as his favorite. Do you see uh, USC taking back the lead? Wow, it really depends. USC has to really start to recruit him harder and make him more of a priority. Right now, he doesn't have a scholarship offer. Um, USC did go to see him, and they do want him to come in for an unofficial visit. They're definitely going to continue to recruit him, and there's definitely an opportunity there for them to really put on the full-court press. And I think if they were to put on the full-court press, there's an opportunity there that they could take the lead and, at the end of the day, get his commitment. He is originally from San Diego. 
grew up a USC fan, really loves USC, but at this point USC still is kind of evaluating and watching him. So, you know, until USC really puts their best foot forward, uh, I say no. But if they were to, definitely. Okay. Um, let's move on to Rob and Rialto. He has a recruiting question. He wants to know if the Trojan coaching staff is actively recruiting two- or three-star recruits to play at USC as preferred walk-ons. With limited scholarships, the extra bodies would be very helpful. You know, the only guy that I've heard about that out of the gate was asked to be a preferred walk-on was Eric Bunty, who's the 6'8", 310-pound uh, offensive tackle from Santa Margarita that actually committed to UCLA. USC offered him as a preferred walk-on uh, a, a, about five, six months ago, actually, and it was right after the season. And that's the only guy that's actually a ranked recruit that I know of that's been approached to play as a preferred walk-on, mainly because of the financial uh, responsibilities that it takes to be able to go to USC and the, and the pay to go to USC as a walk-on. It's asking a lot, and there's just very few players that have that type of financial means and, you know, are that good that are able to go in and, and they would be able to play at USC, uh, but able to pay to play at USC. So very few and far between targets out there. And at this point, Bunty's the only guy that uh, I know of that has actually been approached uh, to be a preferred walk-on at USC. Okay. Uh, thanks for that one, Rob. This is a voicemail question. Again, we do, if you can keep them under, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds is a good voicemail question. This one's a little longer, but there's a few good questions in here, so I wanted to play it for you. Hi, Ryan and Gerard. Uh, Gerard, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, Ryan, uh, thank you for another wonderful podcast. This is Sean out of Georgia. You did really well last week, Ryan, by yourself. Um, a couple questions. Uh, first of all, uh, well, it's not really a question, but one of the statements for Gerard, remember when you said Jalon Smith, no chance. Don't be shocked if it happens, Gerard. I'm hearing rumors about a possible commitment day. Don't be surprised. Uh, Twitter, you know, I know how you feel about recruits on Twitter, but they're saying a possibility that he might rec uh, commit the same day as Michael Hutchins, maybe to the same school, said don't be surprised. I saw it from another site. Another thing about Elijah Qualls, I want to know your opinion, Gerard, about whether he's going to be a defensive lineman or whether he's going to be an H-back if they get him, or maybe if he might even slim down 20 pounds and become the next Mike Allstott. My third question is I want to know you and Ryan's feelings on a possible Jesse Scroggins transfer. Do we go for another quarterback? All right, I just cut him off there. But, yeah, I so see we wanted to talk about the court. Sorry, I was getting a little too long, but the three questions basically – Jalen Smith, Qualls, and, Scrog and uh, getting another quarterback if Scroggins transfers out. Right. I think um, first and foremost with Jalen Smith, um, you know, uh, we talked about it a little bit on the Peristyle, so I'm not going to give it all away, uh, but talked to some people actually yesterday about Jalen Smith and just kind of where he was with the process and, you know, how serious is he with USC. You know, USC's among the schools that he's looking at. Uh, the consensus here is that he's still a Notre Dame lean and he's still heavily uh, involved with Notre Dame. He's going to visit Notre Dame uh, sometime in the next few weeks. He has yet to set his unofficial visit to USC. And the talk on Twitter was there was a, there was a, a, a tweet that was forwarded uh, by Michael Hutchings saying, you know, Jalen Smith was basically putting it out there, me and Michael Hutchings could go to the same school. Well, doing a little background on that, 
I don't know if that's really uh, was a sincere tweet. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael Hutchings at this point doesn't even know when he's going to commit. Um, he's thinking sometime in July. Uh, I've heard, you know, Jalen Smith actually mentioned uh, not too long ago that he was thinking of doing it July, or excuse me, June 10th. And obviously June 10th is, is a little soon to be doing it if he was really seriously looking at USC. Uh, my contacts seem to think that it's probably not going to happen that early, that Jalen Smith doesn't commit before August. Um, but he's playing the game a little bit right now. So, uh, as I said uh, to the Paris Stylers, um, you got to pump the brakes a little bit. you got to <laughs> take your time on these things. Um, you know, he's definitely a, a big-name guy um, out, out, out of region, out of state, and USC's going to recruit him hard. they got to get him on that unofficial visit first. And the only thing that makes me a skeptic, and I'm a skeptic by nature when it comes to these things, you know, kids do like to play the process a little bit and, and drum up uh, drama sometimes. I think, you know, if he were to come to USC and, and taken that unofficial visit to USC and then after that point made some remarks about USC in a positive fashion, I would definitely be a little more curious about um, him and, and kind of his interest with USC. But just coming out of the blue, he hasn't even visited USC yet. Uh, it just kind of seems like talk. You know, you want to see some actions, and then you see those words following something that has happened in an event. There's a reason for, uh, you know, glowing remarks about USC. And at this point, it really doesn't seem to be any real reason. It was just one of those things he threw out there. It sounds like he's trying to get to a point where he wants to narrow down the process, and he's going to throw some things against the wall, kind of see what sticks. So that's kind of how I took that. Um, with uh, Qualls, I think, Qualls, Qualls, everybody pronounces it different. Uh, I think with Elijah, you're definitely looking at the defensive lineman. He's not going to be an H-back. There was some talk, you know, maybe USC would allow him to be uh, a running back in short yardage situations, which is very possible. But I don't think you're looking at a guy that's going to be a full-time running back or, or play offense full-time. He's going to be a defensive tackle. Um, he could be a three technique, could be one shade, very quick. The biggest question with Elijah is just – you know, how good of a defensive lineman is he? When we watch his film, a lot of the more impressive highlights are him playing running back. And obviously, 6'2", 180 pounds, they are very impressive highlights. But you want to see a little more from the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, a lot of people make that comparison with J.R. Tavai. J.R. was a guy that was a really good running back in high school, and he was also a defensive lineman. But, you know, J.R. definitely made a killing playing defensive line, first and foremost. His running back highlights were just an additive to what he was doing on the defensive line. At this point with Elijah, we haven't really seen so much of him at the, on the defensive line. It's more of him playing running back. So that's a little bit of a question with him. Uh, USC is definitely recruiting him. Um, they're recruiting him pretty hard. I wouldn't say that the full court press is on him yet. I haven't heard anything about Lane Kiffin calling him directly yet. It was more of Ed Orgeron visiting the school with Clay Helton and them coming by and, and you know, making that phone call afterwards uh, to the coaches, they were ready to offer him. So we'll see how it develops. I think they definitely want to get him down to the camp. They want to see him in person a little more too. Um, but you want to get your offer in there and get your foot in the door and kind of see where he is, get those transcripts, you know, to see where he is grades-wise and, and kind of seeing if he needs to get on track early to be able to qualify because he might be one of those guys that is down a couple classes and needs to get into summer school and make sure that he's on track because USC can't take any chances uh, with recruits with only, you know, maybe 18, uh, including earlier enrollees in this class. With the second quarterback, we've talked about it a lot in a few different features. Um, you know, there is some sense to be made for going after another quarterback in this class with Scroggins maybe going out, and you're only going to have – when we've talked about this ad nauseum, there's a really kind of a, a, a crapshoot as to how many quarterbacks you're going to have for spring ball next year. I mean, are you going to have the two redshirt 
freshmen coming in that are going to be redshirt sophomores next year? Are they both going to stick around? Are you going to have Cody Kessler? Are you going to have Max Wittick there? And then you're going to have Max Brown coming in as a as a, as a as a true freshman coming early in as an early enrollee. So you know you're going to have two quarterbacks, but are you going to have three? And three seems to be like the number you really want to have at minimum. So if one of these redshirt freshmen decides somewhere during the season they want to transfer out, then it becomes an issue. If you're able to keep one of those guys, then it might be a little easier to not recruit a quarterback for this season and just bring in Max Brown and have uh, and have Cody Kessler there, and then you, you've got your, your two quarterbacks. But I, I think that's still going to be one of those things where you're going to be looking for a, a transfer or a really good preferred walk-on possibly to maybe get to that three going into the season. You've got a little more time to do so, um, but if somebody actually transfers this season – feel like they're not going to be the number two guy behind Matt Barkley and either Wittick or Kessler decide to go on top of Scroggins, then all of a sudden you're at a point where you might actually want to go after another quarterback. And the guy that, you know, the name that's come up with us time and time again has been Johnny Stanton. Johnny Stanton is a guy that is not going to be a guy that's going to come in and rival Max Brown. He's not going to be one of these big-time guys that's, okay, you're bringing in him to compete with Max Brown or you're competing to, to get that starting quarterback job next year although you give him that, that opportunity, he really comes in and brings a lot of different things to the table and is a guy that I think, you know, kind of fills a great void for you and is going to be a player that you can kind of, you know, develop in your system. And by the time he's a junior or senior, could end up being a guy that is a really, really good college football player. And so, you know, that's, that's one of those guys that I, I think would be an interesting fit for USC. He's a, he's a winner. Um, he's a smart kid. Uh, he's a guy that might be able to get in early as well, along with Max Brown. So you're able to have your three quarterbacks if, you know, this scenario plays out, you know, as we've talked about with uh, two transfers, you know, Scroggins and another quarterback. Um, so I, I think that's a guy that definitely is intriguing from that aspect. I don't know if you're going to be able to double up like they did with Kessler and Winnick and be able to get two big-name guys and butt them up against each other and bring them both in this year. I think that might be a little more difficult. And what happens is, at the end of the day, you have the scenario where we are now, you're wondering, okay, are, are one of those guys going to transfer at some point? Because they're probably going to end up having the same eligibility, just like Kessler and Wittick did. And so, you know, at some point you're going to have a transfer, and then you're going to be in this situation all over again. If you're able to get a guy that, you know, is going to be able to not redshirt, or you're going to have two redshirts, but then you have a guy that's not looking to play right away, or he doesn't have to play right away, and a guy like Johnny Stanton definitely needs to develop more. You know, he's a, he's a gamer, but as a quarterback, he's definitely got a long ways ahead of him. He needs to get into a system and kind of take it with some patience, and, and I think he can develop more. Where a guy like Max Brown, you're going, okay, this guy's going to be a guy that's going to push right away to play right away, and that's what we're bringing him in to do. So I think that's an interesting scenario, and I think that there's, there's a possibility there. I, I definitely don't think you can just say, well, we only have 18. We can't take any more than one quarterback. I think when you look at that possibility of only having two guys at the quarterback position for spring ball, that's pretty scary. All right. Well, big big question there. Thanks for putting all that in. Uh, JJB pretty much had the same question on Qualls. Uh, he did mention at the end, though, it sounds like the guy has a lot of volatility who could play a number of different positions, but it doesn't sound like you think he's just going to be on the defensive line. It's not going to be something where you bring in a versatile guy that could, could play a, a multiple multiple positions. It's pretty difficult to play defensive line and the position which he would be brought in to, bring, to play on offense, which would be H-back or fullback. And that's really, really a mountain of, uh, of responsibility and assignments to understand and learn and process. I think 
that when you bring in a guy that's a defensive lineman, you want him to play defensive line, you bring in a guy that's going to play H-back or fullback in USC system, that's what he's going to have to do. Unless it's just situational. And that, and that, that was mentioned by the coaching staff when he got a, a scholarship offer. And I think that's plausible. I think he's definitely bringing uh, – I think he's definitely coming in if he's going to USC as a, as a, as a either strong side defensive lineman, which I think is a possibility, or defensive tackle, which is actually what the coaches told him. Okay. Uh, this one is Bruce and Cupertino. He said, given the likelihood of a couple of USC underclassmen coming out early for the NFL draft, that seems to happen every year, how would this impact the yearly scholarship limit while the sanctions are still in place? For example, should a couple of juniors, let's say Robert Woods and Nikhil Roby, jump to the NFL next season, would the Trojans be able to bring in 17 players next year to make up for those losses, not including early enrollees? Or would they still be required to strictly adhere to the 15 scholarships per year? Otherwise, they might not be uh, able to even have a 75-player roster without the ability to make up for those players leaving early. In-season injuries wouldn't be the only issue potentially creating serious depth problems. Thanks for clarifying and fight on. That's, again, Bruce in Cupertino. Long question, pretty simple answer, uh, USC's SOL. Um, they lose guys early to the draft. It doesn't matter. They're not going to get any more scholarship offer or scholarships uh, available per year. Uh, under probation or under the sanctions, I should say. So that's one of the issues that they have to deal with. And they, they lose any guys early, a guy like, uh, you know, uh, Nick Perry, they didn't get that scholarship back because Nick Perry left early. Um, they, the only thing you can do is roll over uh, scholarships from early enrollees, and we talked about that whole complicated situation. Uh, but in terms of losing a player like a, a Robert Woods early or Nikel Roby, um, those guys are gone, and you can't replace – you don't get another slot for that year because those guys are gone. Right, and then if you look at our scholarship distribution chart, you can check things out. And, you know, having Nick Perry and, and Matt Khalil, while obviously not good for the team, I mean, it, it helped as far as scholarship numbers go because USC didn't even sign a big class for a class of 2012 and was still – and still right now technically is over the 75-man uh, limit at 76. Now we all assume that Scroggins is going to uh, leave the program, but you know USC is not making any kind of official word about that. But if you've read the Peristyle over the past week, you saw what uh, what some of the more respected posters put in there, and uh, you know, so it does, does seem like the writing's on the wall. Scroggins deleted his Facebook, he deleted his uh, Twitter hand, his, his Twitter account. So um, you know, we do expect him to not likely be with the program uh, come you know when we see. Uh, fall camp start and everything in August, uh, and that would get USC to exactly the limit of, of 75 scholarships. So sometimes it helps. It just depends if you look at the scholarship distribution chart. It's a it's a game that Lane Kiffin has to keep playing. I mean, there's a lot of different numbers he has to look at, and you're weighing everything. And, you know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if he did talk to guys like Nikhil Roby and Robert Woods early and get a feel uh, for what they're doing. So he kind of knows, I need help recruiting I need to know where I am with numbers. If you're leaning towards leaving, then that, you know I could go a certain direction. Or if you're leaning towards staying, I can go in a different direction. So, I mean, there's, it's been a crazy game. And so far, I mean, you have to give Lane Kiffin props for the, the game he's been playing. Because whatever his plan was, you know, he talked about different aspects of it. And he tries not to go into what he's doing in the future. But it's been working so far. And, you know, USC, you've, you can see the class of 2013 already turning out to be great. Uh, if USC is very successful on the field. Uh, I think that can only help uh, the the class of 2013. And you get through that, and there's only one year left, and you kind of see where you go from there. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different numbers out there, Gerard. It, it can be very confusing 
Uh, but there, there's a lot of things, I guess, going against USC, and I think Lane Kiffin's done as good of a job as you could ask him to do. Yeah, and, and to kind of summarize so, so Bruce isn't confused, it's, it's a negative in that you don't get those scholarships back for your recruiting classes. You don't get any add-on to the 15 per year. Um, the 15 per year is only added on unless you can roll over early enrollees. So anybody leaving early for the draft from the roster, you don't get those scholarships back or added on to those per-year uh, per diem uh, scholarship offers. But what Ryan is saying, it's a positive in that you still have to be under 75. And if you had more scholarships to give out per year, it would be maybe harder to get under that 75. So in that way, it worked out that some of those guys leave early, leaves room for USC to still be under that 75 limit that the NCAA gave. All right, let's. Uh, we got one last question, Gerard. This is from Stacy, and she's like, "Hey, Ryan, I'm kind of curious if the USC coaches, coaches, excuse me, ever come to Gerard Martinez for advice on recruits. He sure seems to know a lot about all of them. He definitely does, Stacy. And uh, Gerard can, can take that one for you. No, rapid fire. No, the, the the coaches are the true professionals and the true experts when it comes to this business. And I think anybody who does this for a, a living and knows that and understands that they see these kids, you know, so much and, and so much tape and in terms of evaluating and, and knowing these kids, uh, there's nobody better. And I think USC's coaching staff this past year has definitely shown that. I mean, they are definitely out there. And we talked a little bit about Ed Erdron being omnipresent and uh, T. Martin being in uh, Tennessee one morning and uh, Texas the other. I mean, this is one of those things where these guys get everywhere and they see everybody and they make a lot of contacts and they know a lot about each and every one of these players. So a guy like me, no, I don't. I don't necessarily uh, need. They don't need to get advice from me. I'm sure they're on the website. You know, they. I'm sure that uh, they check rivals and, and are just a, a, you know, on top of all the things that come out. There's so much information, you know, that comes out on rivals.com and and some of the other networks and and really, you know, Twitter and Facebook as well. You have to be a sponge for all the information that comes out. Um, but as far as seeking advice, no. Yeah, Stacey, I mean, you know the coaches are on, you know, they're on the Internet. I mean, they're trying to find out whatever they can. There's certain periods of the year where they're not allowed to contact recruits. Um, but if, you know, Rivals has a story on a kid that they are recruiting, that's probably information they'd want to check out, you know. So, they, you know, I'm sure they have people in the office reading through things and checking out what's going on and the updates. Uh, you know, they learn about commitments on the Internet just like everybody else. So if uh, – you know, the Rivals Nebraska site breaks some commitment. I mean, that's something that the, it'll, the information is going to get to the USC coaches. But even if they wanted to, and I think Gerard's being modest, I, I think the coaches might, you know, want to talk to him about stuff he thinks. They're not allowed to, though, because, you know, we're, we cover the team. We're part of, of Rivals.com, Yahoo Sports. We are not part of USC. We're not part of that staff. Uh, the USC coaching staff, when they're out there recruiting, they're not allowed to talk about players that haven't been signed yet so if you ran into Lane Kiffin in the mall and asked him about two Cravens he's not allowed to talk to you about that so it'd be the same thing with us they can't discuss unsigned prospects uh, with people that aren't you know on their staff and, and part of the program there so even if they wanted to which I think they might but you know Gerard won't admit that uh, they're not allowed to yes <laughs> yes Gerard is that that's all you got to say it, you know th- but there are there are specific rules there right I mean you they're not allowed to discuss things until definitely yeah you, you can't you know be out there and blabbing away about who you want to recruit I mean the rules are basically set forth 
because especially with the media, they don't want coaches out there uh, pandering to recruits through the media. You know, they don't want, you know, Nick Saban getting on ESPN and going, man, you know, uh, yesterday we saw a film of, you know, he's, he's being interviewed about his team next year, and, and all of a sudden, you know, he changes the subject into, yeah, you know, we were watching film, and, man, we really need a great defensive tackle, and goodness gracious, we saw this kid Carl Lawson uh, from, uh, from, from, uh, from Alabama the other day, a local kid, and he's one of the best defensive ends I've seen in a long time. And I tell you what, Shelly, he, he's going to be a blob, you know, and then going off on that, and basically you have these coaches trying to get on TV to, be, to, to sell themselves to recruits. And <laughs> so I know that's a, that's a stretch of the spectrum. I mean, that's on the other end of just the question that was asked, but that's how the NCAA views these things, and that's the kind of slippery slope it goes down to. So they just basically say college coaches are not allowed to talk about recruiting to anybody outside of their, their offices, outside of the official football staff. All right. Well, that makes sense. And uh, thanks for that one, Stacy. Hopefully it answered your question. And thank you, Gerard. I hope uh, you're feeling better and you'll be back on thing. You have to take care of things while I'm gone. I'm going to be gone a week. So we're going to have to uh, have you take over the show. Hopefully you're feeling up to it. Yep. I had my uh, vacation in urgent care while you go uh, <laughs> off to, uh, I don't know where you're going. Are you going to, uh, I, th- I heard something about you going to Yemen no. and, uh, <laughs> and, and doing some, some kind of uh, recreation. It's some, some facilities there or something? What, you know, what, what's going on? Are you going to be American Taliban or something? I'm going to Belize, which is down. Uh, central, oh, okay. uh, a little different than, than, uh, than Yemen. Yes, a little bit different down in Central America. My wife and I, we have never been. We're going to go check it out and uh, should be a fun time. But I'm sorry we're going to miss the podcast for next week. But definitely check out uscfootball.com. Gerard will be dropping all kinds of scoop on the peristyle. And again, Gerard, thanks for coming on. And uh, Please do a good job. Take, I know you will. Taking over the site while I'm gone, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. All right. Everyone else, thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We have not missed a podcast since I got married a year ago, so we're going to miss one more for my anniversary. Then after that, you know, maybe five years just now down the road. But we haven't missed too many. So sorry again for next week not having a podcast. We'll be back in two weeks. Back talking to you on peristylepodcast.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.